0: Give us today our daily bread. What I want to do is I want to work through this little statement and pull out four key words or four key phrases in here that each tell us something or show us something. Uh, about prayer, about life, about following Jesus. And in the fourth one, we're actually gonna have kind of three little subpoints. So you can call it a four point or you can call it seven, whichever you prefer. Uh, but we are, we are gonna see a few things that God says through the Lord's prayer. The first one comes from the very first word of the prayer. It says, give us today our daily bread. The, the first point is this, that give shows us that we can and should Ask God for things. This is the part of the prayer that we're most comfortable with, right? It's the part of the prayer that's most attractive to us. We ate at Olive Garden Friday night and I had some daily bread. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah, right? Like I, we, we may have had refill on our bread. Like let's, let's, let's pass that around one more time, right? Like we, we, we love this idea of bread even more than we love bread, perhaps. We love the ability to go before God for things. This is the base perspective most of us have when it comes to prayer, right? Most of us, if we were to articulate what does it mean to pray, we would probably say asking God for something, right? And prayer is so much more than that. It is so much deeper than just asking God for things. But this is the part that, that comes more natural to us when it comes to talking to God. Um, many people's prayer lives consist only of these types of prayers. We would call these prayers of petition, prayers of supplication, prayers where we are asking God for something. It's the gimme part of prayer, right? Like, God, give me this. God, do this for me. God, take care of this. Um, and if we're not careful, we can hijack this out of context and think this is all that there is to prayer, that's why we've been looking at each different clause, each different piece of the Lord's Prayer. It's why we saw when when Jesus says, our Father in heaven, we realize that we can go to him as our Father, right? That we come to him out of our relationship. It's why we declare, hallowed be your name. It's why we declare that, that he's separate from us, he's different than us. This reminds us that, that he's greater than us, right? That he's hallowed and we are not, It's why we say your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because we realize that things down here don't look like they look up there. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that doesn't always reflect his will. In fact, many times does not reflect his will. So we ask that his will could be done here just as it is there. Um, The famous hymn writer John Newton wrote this. He said about prayer, Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. What a statement. His grace and power are such that none can ever ask too much. He says, you are coming to a king, large petitions you should bring. You see, I think one of the things that we miss when it comes to prayers of petition, when it comes to asking God for things, is not just that this is not all that there is to prayer, which sometimes we miss that and that's all we do, but I think in the meantime, a lot of times we reduce the power of prayers of petition and supplication and we ask God for, for, for small things that maybe are insignificant. And I'm not saying we should never ask him for small things when those things are significant to us. I'm saying sometimes we pray small prayers because we have small faith. Right, that we're not really expecting anything big from God, and I'm guilty of this. I've <laughs> preached on this multiple times, and and I'll find myself still doing this in my prayer life if I'm not careful. God, just just be with my kids today. Well, you know what? I don't have to pray, God, be with my kids today, because He promised He's never going to leave them or forsake them, right? That's already taken care of, so I can ask God for something bigger in Judah's life. I can ask him for something bigger in Alexa's life. I can ask him for something bigger in in my family. We can go before him for bigger things. And so I love that John Newton says, you are coming before a king. Man, big petitions you should bring. Large petitions. Man, we put something great in front of him because he's not just a king. He's the king, right? Right? He is our Father in heaven. His name is hallowed. And he answers big prayers in big ways. Um, Now, sometimes he doesn't always answer the way we want to or or with the answer that we would like him to, right? Like my kids, this week we went to Branson and we bought um, a dozen donuts at a place called Hertz Donuts, right? Uh, And so we we got these donuts, and I don't know if you've ever seen these things, but they're, they're big, they're like... They're over-the-top donuts, right? Uh, and so, of course, my children are not satisfied with the little bit of a donut that we give them. They want more donuts. Uh, and so if every time that Judah or Alexa asked for another donut, we had given them another donut, what kind of parents would we be? Awesome, awesome parents, right? <laughs> Thank you for that honest answer, Catherine. Uh, I'm sure Deanna's taking notes right now. Uh so that one's going to come back on you, I can guarantee you. Um, <laughs> we would be pretty popular parents, right? But probably not great parents because they asked for a lot, right? They, they wanted another one constantly. And so the reality is sometimes God has to say no, not because he doesn't love us, And not because he doesn't want to take care of us, but because he does love us, and he does want to take care of us, and he may realize that we're not ready for that thing that we're asking for, or we may do ourselves harm with that thing that we're asking for. That relationship we desire may have some very harmful potential that God's aware of and we're not, and he may need to say no, right? Or we may it may not be that the relationship with that individual would be bad, it's that we're just not ready for it. We haven't matured to a place where where we can contribute to that, and so God may have to say no, or he may say no on the job because he knows there's a better job coming available, or he may say no on the job because he knows the environment at that job is going to be far more destructive than the pay at that job is going to be beneficial, right? So God sees with a perspective that we don't see. And sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait. Sometimes it feels like he doesn't answer at all. And this is where faith comes in. Right? We walk by faith, not by sight. If every time that I prayed, there was a clear and immediate answer, it wouldn't take me a whole lot of faith to go before God, would it? Well, it's just easy. It would come natural and automatic. And, and sometimes I think God wants us to press in. Sometimes He wants us to pursue. Sometimes He wants us to, to, to have a gap where we're having to build our faith and flex our faith, muscle, faith muscles and, and exercise those faith muscles in the meantime. But don't misunderstand me. God loves to hear your prayers and He loves to answer your prayers. And Isaiah 6. Uh, 62, excuse me, verses 6 and 7. God says this to Israel, which I believe is now by extension us. He says, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest. And give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. What's he saying? He's saying, pray without ceasing. Don't, 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 don't take a break. Don't slow down, down. Don't take a rest. He says, man, just keep on coming. Keep on putting this before me. Keep on trusting me. Keep on believing me. Keep on standing in faith. Keep on expecting this prayer to be answered. Even though it's not answered today, even though it's not answered in this moment, the day is coming and I need you to trust me in the meantime. But he also says, give me no rest. You see, this is where the analogy between me as a father and my children's donuts, this is where our analogy falls short, right? Because my kids, how many parents know this, my kids can ask enough times that they get on my nerves, right? (laughs) Like they, they, they can come back one more time and it's like, okay, that's enough, don't ask me again, right? You're annoying me, you're frustrating me, stop, just be quiet, right? Every parent has been in that moment where it's like, okay, enough is enough, right? This is real life. We know. But this is where God is different. This is where he's not like me. You see, I am finite, and my patience is finite, but he is infinite. And his patience is infinite. His perseverance is infinite. His attention is infinite. You see, sometimes I get frustrated because I can only give attention to one thing at a time. Right, So if they're asking me for something, it means it's keeping me from accomplishing something else. But not my God. You see, when I go to him and I make my request known to him, that in no way limits his ability to hear from you, and in no way limits his ability to move on the other part of the world, that in no way limits anything in him. It does not reduce him at all because he is infinite and not finite. See, he's a different kind of father. We come to him as father, but he's not just our father. He's our father in heaven, right? It's the whole premise that we've been working through this with. So there's a difference between us and him, but give teaches us that we can ask God for things. My encourage for you, my, my semi-challenge for you, we got the big challenge, which you, gotta, you received when you came in on, on paper, and we'll talk about that a little later. But my, my semi-challenge for you this week is ask God for some big things. Put something bigger before God. Maybe even putting something big in front of him. And if you have, I want you just to keep that out there. But man, if you've seen that your prayers have been kind of reduced, to, God, just be with me. God just show up in my life today. God just look out for me. Watch over me. Right? Like if you're praying those kinds of like basic prayers, man, I want you to start putting something out there that you gotta trust God for. Because those prayers, He's answering them anyway, they're already happening. But, but they don't really requ- require any extra faith. And I think sometimes we need to stretch our faith. Sometimes we need to believe God to show up. And the, man, this illustration we already used, right, Robert? He had a specific prayer he put before God. And it, he would have known if that prayer got answered or it didn't. You know how much more faith he has this Sunday than last Sunday? Because he's seen God move mightily on his behalf. And not only has it blessed him, but now it's blessed all of us. Now, all of us are better because this man stepped out in faith. That's the power of believing God for big things. You are coming before a king. Large petitions you should bring, right? Come before him with big things. Second thing we get to is the second word and the fourth word in this statement. He says, give us today our daily bread. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because we've talked about this already, but us and our remind us that our prayers should not be solely focused on ourselves, right? There's the corporate element we've already hit on that we, that we get to the beginning, our Father in heaven, that we need to be praying prayers with others, engaging others. I'm hoping with this week's challenge, you can find a way to incorporate at least one of these days with some others to, to partake communion together. But, but not only is there a corporate element to us and our, it's also a reminder that my prayers shouldn't just be for me. That when I do pray for prayers of petition and prayers of supplication, I should be praying for others as well. That yes, I make my request known to God, but I need to be looking out for the other people in my life. Man, I need to be going before God for my wife. I need to be going before God for our church. I need to be going before God for for others who, who I love, who I care about. One of the things that I love um, uh, about my kids, they've learned this from an early age because uh, every night we, we put them to bed, we ask them, hey, who do you want to pray for tonight? And, and they started out by picking like one or two people. Now they throw out like every name they can remember. It's terrible, right? <laughs> like it takes forever. I'm like, I just want to go to bed. Forget Grandma, grandpa, I'll be okay. Like, you know. But it's what they associate with prayers, man. I want to pr- and, 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 and Alexa, she's the point now, she's like, all my friends, I'm like, okay, we'll pray for all your friends. And then she's like, and all Judah's friends. It's like, okay, we'll pray for all Judah's friends too, right? Like, we're going to cover everybody. But I love it at the same time, as much as sometimes I don't want that moment. I'm like, let's just pick one person tonight, baby girl. But I, but I love that they're learning from the beginning. Prayer ain't just about me. Man, that I can actually go before God and stand in the gap and intercede. Right? And, and they're basic prayers at this point. It's like, man, bless them, draw them to Jesus, show them who God is, right? Like, like they're basic level requests, but they're learning from the beginning. I'm not just praying for me, I'm praying for others. And I love that. I love it. I love it. Thirdly, I believe this today and daily teaches us that our prayer life should be every day, right? And he says, give us today our daily prayer bread, that Jesus is not accidentally throwing those words in there. He's teaching us that, that prayer is not just a Sunday exercise, right? This isn't just something that we do when we gather with the greater kingdom of God or the praise God that we can do this together. But this is something that, that we're supposed to do every single day. Day. He works it in there twice in one sentence just to make sure we didn't miss it the first time. Give us today our daily bread. What does your prayer life look like right now? How, how daily is your prayer life? Man, some of us are like shaking our head like strong. Like my, my, my prayer life's stronger than it's ever been. Praise God for those who are in that situation. Perhaps some of us, our prayer life's a little stagnant right now. Perhaps some of us, we've, we, we, we can look back and say, man, I, I, there, there was a point in time where, man, my prayer life was, was passionate. It was daily. It was alive. It was vibrant. And maybe I'm not in that season anymore. And if that's us, I'm, I'm not here to put you down or condemn you. I'm just here to remind you it can come alive again. You see, he's the same today as he was then. He answers the same way. He's just as powerful. He's just as strong. He's just as alive. He's just as willing to hear my prayers today as he was at whatever previous season when my prayer life was vibrant and alive. Who moves? We did, right? Who changed? We did. We allowed life to distract us. We allowed our attention to be taken elsewhere. We allowed ourselves to become lazy or or, or mediocre, And God's just sitting there waiting, inviting us, saying, man, I'm ready to meet with you anytime you're ready to come before me. And I've got some time set aside for you every stinking day. Give us today our daily bread. Teresa, I missed you. Can I just say that? I'm glad you're back. I missed you. Thank you. says, give us today our daily bread, right? So in, in the book of Exodus, there's this great illustration of this. The children of Israel are coming out from slavery in Egypt, and they're, they're coming across towards the promised land. They haven't yet blown it. They haven't yet set in the spies and, and acted outside of faith. So they, things are still happening quickly and, and, and powerfully. God's moving in a mighty way. And in Exodus chapter 16, Verse 1 says, the whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came out to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, and on the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt. So they were like 45 days out of slavery. 45 days after coming out of Egypt, it says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. started complaining. Why are they complaining against their leaders? Verse 3 says, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. How soon they forget, right? You ever heard the term uh, graduation goggles? Uh, graduation glasses, graduation goggles, graduation glasses. This idea that that when something is about to end or has just recently ended, all of a sudden we look at it so rosy. All of a sudden it's beautiful and amazing and, and everything there was great. And the reality is like we hated every day we were there and couldn't wait to get done with it. But now it's like, oh... Everybody was so wonderful. Like my 20-year high school reunions in October, right? And and I'm coming back to some of those memories and some of that stuff. The, The Israelites got graduation goggles about slavery. Slavery was so wonderful. We sat around pots of meat and we ate till our heart was content. Is that the reality of the situation in slavery? I was never a slave, but I'm guessing it probably was not. For very, very few of them anyway. So they, they blow this up, like everything back there was so wonderful, and by contrast, now you just brought us out here to, do, to die, to starve to death, forgetting the provision of their God, forgetting who it is who brought them out there. Now, this is why God is God, and I'm not God, because if it was me, I'd have been like, yeah, you can starve, right? Like, that's what you want? Like, or you can go back and be a slave again, I'm done, deuces, good luck on your own, but... <laughs> but he's God and he's good. And he provides for them, even in their sinfulness, even in their complaining, just as he does for us. Aren't you grateful that he provides for us in our sin, in our negativity, in our foolishness, in our lack of faith? He provides anyway. Man, he's good. So skip forward to verse 14. (coughs) We see God's provision. It says, when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor when the israelites saw it they said to each other what is it the word in hebrew is literally manna manna means what is it you know sometimes when god provides for us we don't even recognize the provision in the moment we don't even know what he's doing and he's up to something great he's something to something supernatural and we see it and we're like what in the world is that The Israelites said, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer, some measurement for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the ones who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. So this is God providing manna from heaven that every day they would go out and they would bring in their manna for that day. This was their daily bread that God provided for them for years as they came across the desert, by the way. 40 years he would provide manna from heaven and here's what's so interesting he said I don't want you to go get more than you can handle today we're not storing this up we're not saving it I want you to get it today you got to get today's in fact if you did go and get more it didn't do you any good all it meant is you brought some maggots into your tent and there was the foul smell you weren't going to be able to eat any of that anyway here's the thing about prayer I can pray for the future, and I do. And I'm grateful that I can pray for the future. And I can pray over my past. And sometimes I do. I have to pray over past hurts and things that I've gone through and pray that that God would would heal those and bring me through those. So I can pray future and I can pray past, but the most powerful prayers are always going to be today's prayers. Right? In fact, I cannot live tomorrow off of today's prayer. I can't live today off of yesterday's prayer. You see, today's prayer is what will sustain me today. Today's relationship with God is what is going to impact me today. God was teaching us something and giving them manna from heaven on a daily basis that you got to go get this every day. He was letting us know you're going to need me every day. You need my provision every day. You need to hear from me every day. You need my presence every day. Don't think you can show up on Sunday and take home enough manna till next Sunday. The manna ain't that good. Right? The preacher here ain't that good. The preacher in no building in DeSoto County and no building in the United States and no building on earth is good enough that you can get enough manna to save you till next Sunday you got to go fetch some manna for yourself. you got to go spend some time with God for yourself on a daily basis. And I know you know this, right? This is basic Christianity 101. You've heard this your whole life since you came to Jesus. But how many of us aren't living it? How many of us are grabbing some manna and hoping that it's going to get me through till Wednesday? Hoping it's going to get me through till next Sunday? Or God forbid, we come to church once a month. Hopefully we'll get enough today. It's going to last me till April. It's not. It's not good enough. It's not that God's not powerful enough. It's that God has chosen a daily relationship with His people, and in choosing a daily relationship, He has cho- could He have made the manna to where it would last? All they had to go do was go get it once, and it could have lasted them forty years. That's the power of the God we serve, isn't it? He's the guy that can make one little bit of oil just pour out into jar after jar after jar after jar after jar. They could have went and got one piece of manna, and it could have been enough for the rest of their lives. But God didn't do it that way because he wanted to teach us something. You need me every day. Jesus shows up a thousand years later on the scene, and he says, this is how you should pray. Not what you should pray, but how you should pray. I'm going to teach you how to pray. And he says, give us today our daily bread. In other words, every day I need to be going before God. Every day I need to be asking him for something. Every day I need to be depending on his provision and expecting him to move in my life every day. Every day, every day, every day. Everybody say every day. Every day, it's gotta be daily. Today and daily teaches us that our prayer life should be every day. Number four, we get to the last word in the statement. It says, give us today our daily bread. My favorite word in the verse, hallelujah, bread. Right, who doesn't love bread? He says, give us today our daily bread. And you see, there's, I believe, three different meanings we can apply from this one word. And as I prayed through which one, Am I going to teach? I think the reality is that all three are implied in Jesus' statement. I think there's some layers here in what he's teaching. And so I want to give all three of these things. Asking for daily bread, A, means asking for God to meet our physical needs, right? The, The bread on the most basic level is the thing that sustains our body, right? So I believe, yes, we can, and yes, we should. Ask God to meet our physical needs. I think for most of us as Americans, we never learn the beauty and the power of asking God for our daily bread the way that people do in some parts of the world. Some parts of the world, they are literally asking God, can I eat today? And man, I'm glad we're not in that place. And I'm not a poverty preacher. I'm not like, man, I wish we could go out and starve so that we could pray this prayer. I'm grateful that we live in a land of abundance. I'm grateful that we have more than enough. Man, I'm so glad that we do. But I also think there's something that we miss out on in the simple reliance on God that others in other parts of the world experience that most of us never experience. You see, for some people, this is a literal prayer. This isn't just the how they should pray. This is literally what they pray. God, I'd like to eat today. And you know what? I believe God answers that prayer. I believe people who are trusting and leaning on him and believing that he's going to be the one to provide, I believe that he shows up. I believe that's who he is. I believe that's how he works in our lives. And so, yes, there's a implication here of asking God to meet our physical needs. Now, just because most of us have enough food in the cupboard that we won't be able to eat today and tomorrow and probably even next week, even if the economy crashed and everything went wrong, even though our daily needs are met, there are other physical needs we can continue to put before him, right? Those bills that are coming up. This situation, this how am I going to get my kid to college, right? Like, how am I going to pay for my student loan? Like, can I have my student loan paid off before I send my kid to college? That would be great, right? (laughs) Like, let's (laughs) believe God for that. Um, Like, there, there, there are some physical needs that we can continue to put before him on a daily basis, even if we're not in a place where we're having to rely on him literally for bread. So what are the physical needs that you need? Maybe it's something in your body. Maybe it's healing. Maybe you need to see God move and touch you and and remove something from you or restore something in you. Maybe you need him to drive something out of you. I believe that we serve a God who meets physical needs. I believe we serve a God who heals. In fact, I believe that Jesus is our healer. Asking for daily bread means asking God to meet our physical needs. Number two, asking for daily bread means asking for God to speak to us through his word. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus is out in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, just two chapters before what we're reading here. And Jesus answers the devil as he says, speak to this rock and turn it into some bread. Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, the daily bread, yes, God wants us to physically survive, but he wants something more for us than simple physical survival. Right? Like daily bread on the physical level, that's what Hunter would have called satisfactory. Right? Man, we need some bread to survive. Let's, let's just make it through the day. Hallelujah. But God wants more than satisfactory for you. God wants more than satisfactory. He wants sufficient. He wants... Uh, thank you. Now, surplus, what's the word you used? saturation. I had it and then I lost it. He wants saturation. Hallelujah. He wants more than that for us, right? And so he says, as is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, there's an implication here in the Lord's prayer that not only is prayer daily, but opening the word is daily. There's an implication here in the Lord's prayer that I need his word every single day, that I'm going to starve without it again. I don't care how great the message is today. It's not enough for you to make it to next Sunday. You need to open God's word and feast on it yourselves. If all you did was come in on Sunday morning and, and eat something from the coffee bar and you didn't eat till next Sunday, you would be a hard person to get along with the next seven days right? Like, like if all you did was survive on going to church after Sunday service, like, man, we're going out to eat, and man, we're going out to eat next Sunday, and you did not nothing in between. No one would ever want to be around you, right? And yet, how many of us are these spiritually emaciated, starved Christians, who all we have is one meal a week, and we think somehow we're going to walk in victory. Somehow we're going to access God's best. Somehow we're going to see him move mightily in our generation when all we're doing is getting one out of 21 meals. Right? He says, give me my daily bread, and that I can't live just on bread, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, i got to be feeding myself. Man, I think one of the greatest signs of maturation in a person's life is when they can learn to feed themselves, man. And it's a pain to feed a kid, isn't it? When you got to sit there with the spoon, like shovel everything in their mouth, and then you got to wipe them off, and you got to do all that. Like it's cute for a season, but there's a point where it's not cute anymore, right? And, And I wonder how many of us are at the point with God where he's like, okay, it ain't cute anymore. I've given you the tools to feed yourself. I've given you the ability to strengthen yourself, to nourish yourself, and yet here you are still expecting somebody to get up and spoon feed you. I think for some of us, it's just time to mature. It's just time to grow. And so we got to begin asking God to speak to us through his word. In other words, we pray before we open the word. It's one of the the most simple, basic premises, but I think it's so powerful, is that, man, when you go to the word of God, go to the the word of God in prayer first. God, speak to me. Give me revelation. Give me wisdom as I open your word today. Give me something I can apply. Let this be bread and strength and sustenance to me today. So we need to pray. Thirdly, asking for daily bread means asking for more of Jesus. You see, Jesus wasn't just teaching us about bread when he says, give us today our daily bread. Jesus actually teaches us that he is the bread of life. As we get ready to take communion, as the worship team comes down, I wanna take you to this story in John chapter six, where Jesus teaches us that he is the bread. He is the bread of life. And in John chapter six, verse 25, it says when they found him, him being Jesus on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? So what's happening? Jesus has just fed the 5,000. The next day they go on the other side of the lake. So he's just done this incredible visual object lesson, right? He just broke a few pieces of bread and fed 5,000 people with it. And now he's going to have a conversation with his disciples, and he's going to teach them something about bread. Verse 26 says, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you were looking for in me, not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. So this isn't just the disciples, this is the, the masses, the crowds. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So the crowd asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answers, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread to heaven bread from heaven to eat. So here's what's happening. Jesus has just performed this incredible supernatural miracle, and the crowd follows him. They, they, they find him. They seek him out, and they want more. They're at the point where, see, when Jesus did the first miracle, he was doing it to provide for their needs. They were hungry, and he fed them. Now, they just want to see God do something. Now, they, they've gotten to the point where now there's kind of a greed to it. Well, what else can you do, Jesus, how else can you provide for us? Back in the day, God provi- or Moses provided manna from heaven for God's people to eat. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. And then he says this, in the context of manna, in the context of daily bread, he says, For the bread of God is the bread that comes fr- down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Like, server, just go ahead and keep the bread coming. Right? Like, just just have another basket every time you come out. Just always give us this bread. We want that kind of bread. 35, it says, then Jesus declared, I am Yahweh, the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus says, I'm the bread. Feast on me. Now here's what's interesting about this teaching. Jesus' popularity has exploded. He's at the height of his ministry. Thousands are seeking him out. They're following him around. And Jesus starts teaching about communion, Starts teaching that you're gonna actually eat my flesh and, and that my, my, my flesh is bread. And the people start to disperse. This teaching is what started running people off. They said, man, this is a hard teaching. Who can get behind this? We, we, don't, we don't want bread that lasts forever in a supernatural sense. We just want some physical bread. See, they had this, they had lowered Jesus to simply meeting their physical need when Jesus came to do so much more. Yes, he wants to meet our physical need, and yes, he provided bread for them when they were hungry. Because he loves us, because he's compassionate, because he cares. But he didn't come just so that we could have enough to eat to last till tomorrow. He came to do something in us, to give us eternal life, to give us access to the throne room of God. And they wanted to lower him and diminish him. Here's my challenge for us today. Let us dare not lower and diminish Jesus to simply making us feel good to simply giving us enough to to survive. Man, let's get saturated today. Let's partake of his presence that lasts forever. We're gonna come down and take the elements of communion and take them back to your seat in just a second. And then we're gonna sing through this song and and come back and partake of communion together. But as we do, I want you to focus on Jesus, the bread of life. I want you to remember that he is the bread that came down from heaven. Now, he came to give you something that would satisfy you forever. Hunter talked about our attention being distracted and lowered and worried about what are we going to go eat or when is service going to get over, right? Like all these like silly little things that we all do. All of us do, right? Let's take 10 minutes and push beyond that. Let's take 10 minutes and give him this attention. He died for us. He died for us he hung on a cross for hours in brutal agony why because you were worth it and then he asked us to come back to this and just remember what he did so we're going to remember for a few minutes so if you would first couple rows go ahead and slip out go out to the left side of your row come down get the elements if you're on the this side of the middle row come to this side that side go over here then once the first couple rows have done it go back there's a gluten-free option down here as well uh, and the gluten-free is in the little bowl. So if you need that, today we have unleavened bread. Amy Bearden made for us unleavened bread, which is what the original Lord's Supper was taken with. So we have that opportunity, but go ahead and come back to your seat, focus in on Jesus and go ahead and stand up. We're gonna sing and, and declare, behold the lamb. We're gonna come back to this place where we behold him.
1: Great I am, a crown of thorns upon his head, the Father's heart displayed for us.
0: to take communion. I want to let you know this is the one thing that we do in our services here at City Church that is reserved for those who have given their life to Jesus. If you're not a Christian, if you haven't believed in him for eternal life today, we ask that you not partake in this, but we would say this. We'd love for you to join the family today. Right where you're at, man, you can call upon his name. Repent of your sins and turn to him. Declare him as Lord of your life. And we believe that when you do that, that, that he forgives you your sins, he washes you and makes you clean. And he sends his Holy Spirit to live in you and brings you in to his family. And there's no restrictions on that. He's for everybody. It doesn't matter your age, your gender, your past, your present. He's for all of us. But Jesus says this to this great crowd that is gathered. He says, verse 47, skipping down, says, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Do you believe today, church? believe the promises that you have eternal life jesus says i am the bread of life your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness yet eventually they died but here is the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat and not die i am the living bread that came down from heaven whoever eats this bread will live forever this bread is my flesh which i will give for the life of the world so he says that that as we partake in him We're partaking in his eternal nature. Now, this does not actually give you eternal life. That's not what he's teaching. He's teaching, he gives eternal life. But this bread is the symbol symbol of his flesh. It's the symbol of his life and as we partake, we're remembering and leaning in to that eternal life and to what he has done for us. Verse 52 says, "'Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. "'How can this man give us his flesh to eat?' Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I remain in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, and he closes with this. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He says it again. Just to, to make sure they understand they're appealing. We want manna like our ancestors had. You, you provided for them every day, but they forget the fact that they Israelites complained about the manna, that they didn't love the manna, but here they do do for us what you did a thousand years ago. Jesus says, No, God's doing something better for you. I'm giving you bread that you don't have to go out and collect every day. I'm giving you something that 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 lasts forever, that lives forever within you. So as we prepare to take communion, I want you to examine your heart today. If there's anything in you that that you know is sinful, that you know is not right. All the Bible asks us to do is to repent of that, to give that to God before we partake of his nature because we're partaking we don't believe this is literally his his skin or this is literally his blood but we're partaking of him he is the bread of life this is our daily bread our bread that sustains us every single day it's Jesus and as we partake of him we want to partake of him well so I'm going to pray and as I do if you've got anything in you you need to confess anything to repent anything to give to him this is your opportunity take a moment to get right with him Father God we thank you For the bread of life god we thank you that jesus is the bread that came down from heaven that you literally left heaven and came to earth this is not a story it's not a fable it's not a myth it's not something to teach us good principles god this is the history of the world that the son of god came into the world to save sinners which i'm the worst god we are the worst so we thank you for your salvation we thank you for your eternal life we thank you for your forgiveness God, we thank you that this bread sustains us forever, Lord, that it does not expire, that it does not go bad, that there are no maggots, no rotting as there was with the manna, God, but that this bread lasts forever, the bread of life that is Jesus. And we thank you, God. We ask you for more of Jesus in our lives. We ask you for more evidence of his grace, more of his truth, more of his power, more of his goodness, more of his holiness. God, we want more of your son in our lives. Let that show up in our daily life, God, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can take the bread. He says, you gotta eat my bread and drink my blood. Again, we don't think this is literally his blood, but it's a symbol of the blood of Jesus that washes away our sin, that makes us right with God, and it gives us that eternal life. Jesus died for you. Don't forget that. Don't overlook that. Don't diminish that. Jesus died for you. In fact, will you help me preach my message? Look at the person next to you and say, Jesus died for you. He died for you so that you could be made right, so that your sins could be washed away. Look at Isaiah, says that though our sins be as scarlet, just like the juice in this cup, Jesus Christ has washed them as white as snow. That we stand before God right today, not because of our goodness, not because of our church, not because of anything we've done, but simply because Jesus shed his blood for us and we've been washed in this blood. And when God looks at us, he sees us clean. He sees us holy. He sees us right with him because of this. So as you're ready to take the cup today, we're going to pray one more time. If there's anything else you want to give to him, I want you to take this opportunity to do it. But if you've already taken care of that, I want you to thank him that you stand right before him today. I want you to celebrate that you stand pure and holy, that Jesus' purity has been applied to your account, that his holiness has been attributed to you because you've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Father God, we thank you for your blood. God, we thank you that Jesus shed his blood for us. He died on the cross for us. And God, that this blood has never lost its power, that it is just as effective, just as strong, just as potent today as it was 2,000 years ago. And so we will come again to this blood, God. We ask you to wash us afresh and anew, Lord. And we thank you that we're holy, that we're righteous before you, God. Not because of our actions, but because of Jesus. You've called us the righteousness of God in Christ because of this, and we thank you for it. We worship you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. You can take the cup.